0: I've never met asking me to take a look at their moles and warts. But when they learn I teach religion, they expect answers. Answers to the big questions Is there a God? Where will I go after I die? I say, Well, we can talk it over, but they think I know the answer and I'm just holding out on them, just like a shrink. If you're a believer, there are no questions. If you're a Unitarian, there are only questions. <laughs> it's all a mystery. Let me start this morning by reading a short poem by that free-thinking Druid, pagan, Emily Dickinson. <laughs> Lad of Athens, faith will be to thyself and to mystery. All the rest is perjury. I'll say it again. Lad of Athens, faithful be to thyself and to mystery, all the rest is perjury. At one time or another, every one of us in this room has suffered a crisis of faith. I have no doubt of that. The specifics differ from case to case, but the pattern of the crisis is usually the same. When we suffer a crisis of faith, it's because something happens to us that doesn't fit in with how we believe the world works, or how we believe God works, or should work. When a child dies before a parent, this strikes us as a violation of the very order of things. But when a guy's worked hard all of his life and gets a grim cancer diagnosis three months into his retirement, it offends our sense of justice, our sense of fairness, It undermines our faith that the universe is trustworthy or that God is loving. At times like these, we not only suffer a cognitive dissonance, but a spiritual dissonance as well. One of my teachers, the feminist theologian Rebecca Parker, led the Star King School for the ministry for 25 years. Dr. Parker calls this experience of spiritual dissonance a spiritual impasse. She calls it an impasse because until we wrestle with the dissonance between our experience and our faith, we'll never be able to move forward in our spiritual lives, never be able to grow in our faith. So the question is, how do we move forward through such an impasse, such a crisis? What do we do when our religious upbringing collides with our lived experience, Well, we have one of two options. First up, if our faith and our experience don't match up, don't work together, we can just reject our faith. We can toss it away. In essence, we could say, well, if God could let this happen to me, then God does not exist. Or the second option, we can deny our own experience of reality. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. didn't happen. We can refuse to lend any experience in life, any truth, any spiritual truth, any validity, like a gay person who submits to the so-called conversion therapy in order to remain faithful to the teachings of his church. I'm sure that in your own life, or the lives of people that you love, you've seen human beings struggle with these two kinds of options. Rebecca Parker likes to remind us that there is a third option a richer and more promising way to get us through our spiritual impacts. That option, she says, is to become a theologian. <laughs> Funny for a theologian to say that, but she doesn't mean that we should, get, uh, we should be one of those uh, uh, get your PhD and publish a book kind of theologian. What she means is we can be the kind of people of faith who are willing to take our faith and take our lives and put them into conversation with each other. To endure the contradictions, the paradox, the ambiguity, theological reflection becomes important precisely when human beings find themselves at the impasse between what they have inherited from their faith tradition and what life throws at them. To wrestle with both of our demons and our angels until we come to a richer, more life fulfilling, life affirming expression of our faith. And I agree with her. This is how we move through the spiritual impasse. A while back, I heard the country singer Iris Dement, Iris Dement, unfortunate last name, Iris Dement, interviewed by Garrison Keillor on the Prairie Home Companion. She spoke openly about the spiritual crisis she went through and how that crisis changed her religious beliefs. Dement grew up in the bosom of two theologically conservative cultures. The first was the Pentecostal denomination, the Assemblies of God. The second was the country music scene. Dement felt at home in these traditions for many, many years. She especially loved the music of the church. Gospel music showed up all through DeMent's work. She's recorded whole albums of gospel music. But then a few years on, things started unraveling for DeMent. It started when her marriage fell apart. Some folks from her church didn't look very kindly on a woman who was seeking a divorce from her husband. Some thought it wasn't very Christian of her. Soon the crisis spread from her marriage to her career, all of a sudden, Dement couldn't write a song anymore. Her creativity just stopped. Before long, she suffered from full symptom depression. But over the course of a decade or so, Dement slowly rebuilt her life and her faith. She left the assemblies of God and found another church. She remarried and adopted a child. And one day, her music started flowing again. DeMent started writing songs, but these songs sounded a lot different than they did before. Gone were the old country ballads of loss and redemption. Gone were the gospel assurances of salvation through Christ. One of DeMent's first songs back from her depression is called Let the Mystery Be. Ah, good. You know it. Mark knows very well that I, I don't do country music, so I want to read the lyrics for the chorus and one verse. Everybody's wondering what and where they all came from. Everybody's worrying about where they're going to go when the whole thing's done. And no one knows for certain, so it's all the same to me. I think I'll just let the mystery be. Some say they're going to a place called glory, and I ain't saying it ain't a fact, but I've heard that I am on the road to purgatory, and I don't like the sound of that. I believe in love and I live my life accordingly, but I choose to let the mystery be. Years after her own spiritual impasse, Dement emerged on the other side with a theology that is more modest, maybe, more humble than her previous faith, but it's probably more honest, too, more honest to her own experience. At the center of that faith is a deep, abiding respect for what she calls the mystery. The John Denver song we just heard played, thank you very much, Mark, expresses so sweetly my sense of the world, so much suffering, and so much beauty. John Denver didn't try to make sense out of that paradox, a union of joy and sorrow. He just says, such is life. Such is life. This is being. This is the nature of spirit. This is the reality of our lives, our loves. Our lives are a communion of joy and pain, a weaving of possibility and loss. All being grows out of these possibilities. All this joy, all this joy, makes a vessel to hold that fillness. In the silences in the song, we hear all the cries, and all the laughter that just can't be expressed. Lad of Athens, faithful be to thyself and to mystery. All the rest is perjury. My question for us this morning is how? How do we remain faithful to mystery? It would seem by its very puzzling nature, mystery would be hard to know how to be faithful to. How do we enter into a relationship with a reality more unknown to us than known? How do we incorporate mystery into a robust and fulfilling spiritual life? I'll share a story with you from the Zen tradition. The Buddhists have a lot to say about mystery. In Buddhism, they refer to mystery as not knowing, not knowing, an important category for Buddhism. This is an old story, a a koan, really. Uh, I first heard it from Mark Bloodgood, who's led our slow Zen circle for 15 years. Reverend Shogun's story teaches the origins of not knowing, the origins of mystery, and I think it points a way forward for us. The story goes, long ago, there was a Zen master who was about to set off on a pilgrimage. His companion, who was also a great teacher, wanted to know what the pilgrimage was all about. So he asks, friend, where are you going on your pilgrimage? The master replies, around. The friend wasn't satisfied with this response, so he probed a little further. He says, what is the purpose of your pilgrimage? I don't know, said the master. To which his companion nodded and said, ah, not knowing. That is the most intimate. The story ends there. It's a Zen story, I warned you.
1: <laughs>
0: but I think that at the end, that last line, ah, not knowing, that is the most intimate, I think there's a touchstone there for us. If you think about it, we often come by what we call knowledge at arm's length. At a distance from ourselves, we read a book, we look at the University of Google, we hear a sermon, we think we know something. Certainty is maintained by keeping a safe distance from what we think we know. But the things that we don't know, the things that remain mysterious to us, aren't they almost always the most intimate places of our life? Shaped by the most Intimate experiences, experiences like loss and failure and disappointment, love, personal but very mysterious encounters with the divine. Rob Hardys, the minister at All Souls, the All Souls in Washington, D.C., likes to call these kinds of intimate and mysterious encounters close encounters of the holy kind. Intimate experiences that invite more questions than they answer, intimate experiences that open us up to mystery. Part of what it means to be faithful to mystery, then, is to remain committed to these places of intimacy in our lives and to the difficult questions that they raise. Richard read what Cahil Gibran wrote a hundred years ago. The same well from which your laughter rises was often filled with tears. When you are sorrowful, look again in your heart, and you shall see you are weeping for that which has been your delight. Gabron says also, he says, the lute can only sing because it was hollowed out by knives. By knives. The road to joy runs right through pain. He would know. Kiel drank himself to death at 48 in Boston. In Boston. Such is life. Some unforeseen disaster and a happy day turns tragic. And grief and death give way to hope and life You've seen it all. I know you have. I know you have. Wisdom doesn't come from resolving the mystery. Wisdom comes from returning to the mystery over and over again, like Jacob wrestling with the angels and the demons, with us wrestling with our angels and our demons, and never, never cut and running. That's part of what it means to remain faithful to mystery. Sometimes people come up to my office after services, they say, Alan, Sometimes I wish my faith was a little less mysterious. Sometimes I wish I knew more things, for sure. I wish I knew what was going to happen to me after I die, for sure. I wish I knew the fate of my soul and why things happen the way they do, for sure. But the universe doesn't deal in certainties and safety. The most fundamental rule of the universe seems to be, you just can't be sure, The most unlikely things can happen. How many of you can point to the most implausible and unlikely seeming events in your own lives? How did I ever find Barbara 50 years ago? The very fact that we exist is an astronomically implausible event. We learned this from John Bishop Spong, first brought it up. Well, I, for one, am grateful. I'm grateful that there are some things in this universe I will never understand. I taught physiological psych at Cal Poly for 22 years, three three quarters a year. Every time I would go back to those lectures, I I would rewrite them. And Barbara would say, "Why do you bother rewriting them? You just gave them last quarter." I said, "It's new. It's all new." I felt like I was peering into a a dark hole that I could learn about. I'm grateful that there are things that I will never understand, and they, they will always remain a mystery to me like why I feel my heart flutter when I see the woman I love, why gazing into a sunset just takes my breath away, or looking out over the ocean makes me feel connected, interdependent with the entirety of the universe. I always want there to be experiences like that, that fill me up with awe and with wonder. I always want to be able to bump into something so large and so mysterious and yet so intimate that it forces me beyond the limits of my knowledge and brings me to my knees in humility, in awe, and in wonder. Friends, this holiday invites us into such an experience. This has been a season filled with stories of mystery and miracles and wonder, stories of an unwed mother having a vulnerable Jewish baby boy, an African-Semitic baby born in a scandal. I'm pregnant, but God did it. We only have a Christmas because Miriam and Joseph took their poor brown refugee baby to Egypt and were welcomed there. How dare we not welcome the stranger? Yehoshua ben Joseph, Miriam's boy. And the stories of the little ragtag bunch of Jewish freedom fighters out battling the empire whose oil burns for eight nights much longer than it's supposed to. Stories of our ancestors who were frightened, watching as the days grew darker and the night grew longer, until suddenly, miraculously to them, the light appears again. Friends, this is a season of mystery, a season of wonder. My prayer for you this season is that you might have such an experience of wonder and mystery. That the holidays might bring your own kind of a close encounter of the holy kind. And that that encounter might help us teach what it means to be faithful. Faithful to the mystery. Awesome. Awesome. Shall we stand at
1: it's <laughs> you. rise and heart can stay. I've been sailing all my life now, never harbor or port have I known. The white universe is the ocean I travel, and the earth is my blue. I fly the starry sea Leaning over the edge in wonder Casting questions into the deep Drifting here with my ship's companions Are we kindred pilgrim souls Making our way by the light of the heavens In our beautiful blue Oh, oh. I give thanks to the waves upholding me Now the great winds urging me on Read the infinite seas before me Sing the sky my sailor song I was born upon the fathom Never harbor or port have I known. The wide universe is the ocean I travel. And the earth is my blue boat home.
0: Please remain standing. And jo-